paint your hell? Oh, I love this question because I feel like I'm such a petty person in like really unusual ways that like I would create like such a very specific hell. So the context for this is um, one time when I was 17 to get back at someone, I walked all over their towel in the bathroom because I was like... (laughs) The bottoms of my feet are dirty. And now you have to use this dirty ass towel. Um, So I'm about to paint my own layer of hell. I'm definitely thinking of like a Dante's Inferno, like different circles of hell. Okay. And I feel like what's kind of coming up for me is like, I definitely am more of like a death by a thousand paper cuts. Not literal. Just a lot of minor inconveniences adding up for people. Mm -hmm. So it's like the bus always being like half an hour late and like you're late to work. And then you get yelled at by your boss and then like it goes on to something else or like your partner showing up late for like the movie you picked out um for date night um and a lot of these are time specific so maybe i'm like revealing something about myself or or just you know like things always being slightly off but like you don't know what they are so i I feel like I, i would definitely go for a hell that was unsettling and you just kind of can't figure out why um like minor inconveniences to major inconveniences um, but then I would definitely have some like Adam Sandler, little Nikki inspired flair to it if possible. So. How so? What, what elements of little Nikki? Oh, the demon with the boobies on its head. So, ju- so you would just have like absurd things in there too. Yeah. Absurd things. Definitely. Also, it's funny the way you're answering this because it doesn't sound like this hell would torture you as much as you feel like I made you the architect of a hell for other people. And that's how you're designing it. That is absolutely how I'm designing it. It's <laughs> <laughs> part of me is like, why would I be going to hell? <laughs> These are for you to Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I am a comedian based in Chicago. I host the show. I create the show. I produce the show. And my guest today is M. Gonzalez, also known as Emma, goes by she, goes by they. And M. is one of my closest organizing friends. I've learned a lot from her about... I mean, about restorative justice, about transformative justice, about taking principled stances in large organizations where not everyone may agree with you. And I thought, I mean, Emma's a very interesting person to talk to, period. So I know you'll enjoy hearing this conversation. However, I was especially excited to talk to her about her work with the Chicago Abortion Fund. And that is obviously very timely work. And hopefully, if you're listening, you know that donating to abortion funds wherever you are is the way to go instead of Planned Parenthood. But if you don't, that's the deal. Planned Parenthood is not the most efficient way to get money to people who need abortions, which is a vital form of healthcare, of keeping people who are alive right now, alive, and with their families. So to be honest, we were having some internet connectivity issues. I'm not sure, because of when I'm recording this, if the abortion fund stuff makes it into the main episode 
or is only on the Patreon where I post the full conversations, a little less edited. They're sometimes a little noisier. There's more background noise, but you're getting pretty much from when I start recording to when I stop. So I'm not doing this just to plug the Patreon, but it does happen to coincide with that. If you join patreon.com slash Dave Marr for a, the price of a nice cup of coffee, five bucks, or a cheap meal, 15 bucks, you can support what I do here, for which I'm very grateful, especially those $15 pigeon patrons who are Fred Fidawa, Susie Carroll, Katie Llewellyn, Kurt Chang, Debo, Shuba Singh, and John Lee. Thank you to them very, very much. You can also um, leave a voicemail for the show. I have these regular repeating questions. If you have answers to them, or if an episode makes you think of anything particular, you can call 313-MIST-URA. That's 313-647-8872. Leave a voicemail and I'll play it on the show. Don't overthink it. You don't have to be a perfectionist. If you're feeling the urge, just call and, and start talking. I also would love your feedback on a couple things. I, so, so two things. One is a, one's about, I'll start with the smaller thing. I've talked to so many musicians and I've transferred listening to music over to Bandcamp for myself. Not, not entirely, but I, I listen to a lot of music and get a lot of music from Bandcamp. And I would love to find something to produce over there. So I, I thought about having compilations of maybe some of the best answers, you know, maybe for the relive one memory segment, it's like almost like an album of just relive one memory segments, like a, a greatest hits. Um, and I'm not, I'm not even saying, would you pay for that? Cause it, it might be free, but is that, is that a thing you're interested in? You can, you can call and leave a voicemail about that. You can email me. This is Dave Marr at gmail.com. You can also go to thisisdavemar.com and sign up for my newsletter where I'm going way more in depth on my perspective rather than just kind of framing and digging into the guests. Okay, so the bigger thing is I think it would be fucking cool to start a label. I wouldn't want, you know, I've interviewed a lot of jazz folks, ambient folks, pop, indie rockers. I'm not a musician, so that wouldn't be where I go, but it just seems cool to to have an aesthetic that that coalesces between releases to have a goal to collaborate with a lot of people on on art the the visual element of the you know the covers to curate work to put out work that seems cool i I don't know is this a podcast network is it is it just like kind of artier sort of comedy albums, spoken word, ex basically experimental theater, but in audio form? Does that sound good to you? Leave a, leave a voicemail about that. 313-647-8872. So that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'm thinking about. But I also want to let you know we kind of we kind of cook through these first few questions and 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 I and I like to with this is with the the M interview and I like to let 
the segments be as long as they are. And I was kind of thinking like, man, is this going to be like the shortest episode ever? Which wouldn't be a bad thing, but it's not. I don't, I don't think. Not having fully edited at this point, I don't think so. When we get to their coma, all of a sudden, we're getting to the title of the show, Hot Bimbo Genius, and we have the most, I think, accessible, absurd political conversation based on the idea of being a hot bimbo genius. So I'm very excited for you to hear that. Also, make sure to check out the show notes to follow M on Twitter, see Liberation Library. They are a member of that organization along with Bettina, who was an early guest on the show. And then you can also see the link to Chicago Abortion Fund. So that is all I've got. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Here's M. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like it's... What do you hope happens when you die? Hmm. Well, I hope I don't get to be me forever because that just sounds insufferable. Um, Why? <laughs> I don't believe myself. I don't know. I just feel like all good things come to an end or just all things come to an end. And I feel like my life as it is now... Um, despite any like specific hardships or things that have been rough. Um, I've had a pretty good life. I have really amazing friends. I, I do work and have political clarity. That means a lot to me. And so I feel like I would want my, my life and my consciousness um, to end at a certain point. And I do believe that energy is not created or destroyed like the law of physics i got a d in physics so just bear with me um one of the only d's i got in high school but part of me is like it would be great to like have my energy be transferred into some other life form or to be a part of building something new um on our planet or like in a different life force so that's what i kind of happen is like i want to be a tree or a flower um and that's all a conscious tree or flower or, or since it's not your same consciousness, it doesn't really matter. doesn't really matter. What would be the ideal thing you would picture being? Ooh, maybe like, Oh, I, that's a good question. Definitely probably like produce if possible. Like I get to be a part of soil that can grow something that like is nutrients for other people. I think mm. that would be really great. Okay, any specific fruit or veg or leaf or anything? Um, just not squash. Any kind of squash. Just just not yellow squash. Okay. Is there a way I so you're so someone's eating you basically. <laughs> when you put it like that it sounds less idealistic, but yes. <laughs> oh, really? I thought it sounded it sounded kind of uh naughty. It's kind of sounded kind of, Yeah, definitely well, maybe that's why I... I still I, haven't gotten out of my head you saying that was one of the only Ds I got in high school. <laughs> so... <laughs> the other one was in geometry, so... <laughs> yes, but uh, do I still need to spell this out? I would... I... About the... The implication here? No. <laughs> I'm talking about Dick. I thought you were... I thought you were making a pun. Did you really, Emma, did, did that really take that long? You just got that? This is very embarrassing. This is not a joke I'm proud of, and I didn't want to have to explain it, but here we are. 
And it's funny because like, I feel like that's also a big marker of who I am as a person where it's like, there is something a little naughty about me and like a kind of like, um, a little bit of like a mischievous character. And then this isn't the first time where someone is like, no, I kind of meant this as a dirty joke and I thought you would get it. And it just flies right over my head. Um, as cock and balls often do, you know? Yeah. There you go. Now you're, now you're dialed in. Okay. So back to you being eaten like a squash. Yes. Um, what sort of meal do you imagine yourself being cooked in? I feel like I would want a meal that has a lot of umami in it. So like maybe some type of miso or like anchovies, like something that like is hidden in the base that like just brings out a lot of the flavor and definitely a meal that is like shared amongst like a group of loved ones or friends. Um, and I, I feel like that's a lot of what just even inspires me to cook is just like the emotions it brings out in people or just the emotions it brings out in me. So I feel like if I can be, if my energy can be transferred into that um, by being some form of produce or meal, um, and then it's just like recycled over and over again, I feel like that's such a good energy to be or a good place to be at um, in the afterlife. What about funeral planning? Do you have any plans? Oh, of course. Of course. Okay. Um, my senior year of college, I took a health um, communications class. And one of, pro- one of the projects we had to do was write down like our plans um, in terms of like what we hope would happen, like when we die and then like funeral plans after. And so if and the I class had- was health communications. Yeah. So how do you oh. communicate about health? Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So your plan was what? So this one's a kind of a two prong one. So I, I feel like when I'm dying, I would love to be surrounded if possible by smells that I really like. So like lavender, rosemary, I would love to have my hair brushed, um, my feet massaged. And then when I die and for my funeral, um, Popeye's chicken has to be there because I love Popeye's. Okay. That's part of it. Um, I definitely want a really sad montage to some Billy Joel. Um, and no Any one specific is specific Billy Joel song. Oh, she's always a woman, even okay. though I'm, even though I'm non-binary, like that's okay. the song I have in my head. Okay. Um, All right. And no one's allowed to wear black unless it's like their favorite color, I guess. But I would just love people to like, I want people to tell embarrassing stories like about the time where I didn't realize I was making a sexual innuendo for Dick or something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I would just love people to share funny stories. Um, about knowing me or just like if I've had any impact on them, but I, I don't know. I just, I really like the Tuesdays with Maury approach, which probably has come up so much on your show at this point. I'm imagining no, it hasn't. Really? No, no one's literally, I literally, I don't think anyone has ever mentioned Tuesdays with Maury. Oh, I read Tuesdays that. With Maury is like a little out of the zeitgeist. I think. How can Maury's his, Legacy can't live on like that. We need to be talking about it. <laughs> I don't know. I, d- I do. Because now I get Tuesdays with Maury. Now I'm getting it blended together with, um, God, I forget that author, but with the five people you meet in heaven, his like <laughs> other book. Oh so my I'm, gosh. So I'm just like blending it. And I was, you, you said Tuesdays with Maury and I was going to be like, oh, who would be the five people you'd meet in heaven? But I'm like, 
Oh, no, those are like totally different books. So wait, what do you mean by Tuesdays with Maury? I was going to say, are the five people you meet in heaven all Maury? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like, oh, man, I hate that I'm about to make a Rick and Morty reference. But do you know the 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 Mr. Meeseeks episode? Oh, of I love Mr. Meeseeks. It's like, hi, I'm Maury. Welcome to the afterlife. <laughs> hi, I'm Maury. Welcome to the afterlife. Hi, I'm Maury. Welcome to the afterlife. <laughs> and it's like that one's broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But remind me of like, or or tell me how you interpolate Tuesdays with Maury in terms of what you want for your funeral. Yeah, well, Maury has like a living funeral where like before he dies, mm. he has a party with all of his like loved ones and close friends. And he is trying to tie up loose ends um, and like close chapters and it's interesting because it really reminds me. So I used to actually volunteer in hospice work, which I don't know if I ever told you about. Mm -hmm. And because the dying process is so elongated now in society because of like medicine and all of that, like, you know, people have time to do these things, but then also neurobiologically or psychologically, a lot of the times when people are dying, they'll talk about tying up loose plans or they'll kind of be between dimensions. So, like, people will be talking about putting things away or, like, getting ready for, like, a certain date. And it's kind of freaky um, when, like, you witness stuff like that. But, like, um, it, it definitely seems like people are preparing for, like, a transition. So, I feel like when I think of Tuesdays with Maury and, like, my afterlife plans, I'm thinking about, like, how am I transitioning in a way um, so I can, like, have a good vibe um, or a good energy that, like, I'm leaving on Earth um, for whatever might be in the afterlife for me. Okay, so you're not opposed to – well, no, you did say you were opposed to continuing as yourself. Because I guess what I'm wondering is if yourself isn't going to continue, what is it that you're preparing for? Is it just you're preparing for that exact moment of death? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Wow, I can't wait to talk about this in therapy. I've learned some things. Really? Oh, what? Yeah. What do you think you've learned so far? We're not even half, barely halfway through the show yet. Um, well, I think probably, I think you verbalized for me, it's like the exact moment between like this form of consciousness and living to like whatever might be is like the thing that I kind of get tripped up on or like am preparing for. Um, yeah. So I think I want to definitely examine that um, outside of this podcast far, far away. Um, so... <laughs> There is a premise in my most recent one-man show where I say that in the afterlife, everyone gets to fully relive one memory. It's like a room where you can pop into and out of whenever you want. But you have to choose one. And the difference between this and any other memory is just the amount you're re-experiencing it. So you are like as present in it as you could possibly be. But if that were the case and you had to choose just one memory, what would it be? I really like this question. It's also the first thing that popped into my head is um, as a kid, I was really into like witchcraft and specifically like charmed because it was like a configuration of three women and it was just my mom, my sister and I. 
And my mom would sometimes indulge me in like my little witchcrafty spells. And uh-huh. sometimes we would do little rituals at night and we would get like the holy water. Um, Cause you know, I'm Cuban and w- was raised Catholic as hell. Um, Wait, where'd you get holy water from? Like my, my abuela had it. Where did she get it from? I don't know. I was a kid. I didn't ask. Do they give it out at church? I think you can buy it if like you go to like a religious store. And I think there was one by my house and it was like places where like priests and like um, different religious figures could like get their like fits from, you can get Bibles, rosaries, and you can get like bottled holy water. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, so you have the holy water continue. Yeah. So I have the holy water that um, through capitalist means we have acquired. um, (laughs) And you know, I remember getting this spell book in the second grade because, like, that's also when Harry Potter came out. And, like, that also kind of expanded my mind. And I feel like I really gravitated towards magic, as a lot of kids do, which is to, like, escape a reality or to feel like you could escape a reality that is, like, really violent to you in the present. And so I would do, like, a lot of, like, sigil making, a lot of spell making. And sometimes my mom and my sister would do them with me. And I remember... We had to wait for like 8 p.m. And I feel like 8 p.m. was like some type of significance um, in like the magic realm. And I remember like trying to do some chants and like leading something and like making a god awful concoction of like the holy water, which like usually is like lightly scented with something. Mm. Um, We have something called like Agua de Florida, which is like Florida water that like is also like a holy water and like a bunch of other stuff. And what's in Florida water? That's a good question. I don't actually look on the because I only know it from the Solange song. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I legit thought she was just talking about like water in Florida. Oh, it's definitely like something that um, my abuela used to put on me as a child, and now when I do limpias with like eggs, um typically I'll anoint an egg in the Florida water and then I will rub like a wall or my body and I'll do some type of chant and then I'll break the egg and then I'll actually read like the wisps of it. And like, normally you're able to see like, because the whole point of like doing Olympia is like, you're kind of cleansing out bad energy. And when you, what is Olympia? Literally you just said like five things that I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's that? What's that? What's that? But no, what is Olympia? Yeah, so Olympia, it's like a cleansing. So um, okay. it sounded like and, a food to me. It sounded like a like a bread of some sort to me. I mean, I, in some cultures, it is, um, which is like the weird part about like language. But um, but what does it mean to read the wisps of an egg? Yeah, so I started doing Olympias with my housemate, um, and as a part of like kind of getting to know more of like my Mexican culture a little bit more and essentially like when you read the wisps it's like the way that the egg when you crack it what kind of shows up in it it can tell you what you're cleansing or need to cleanse and so if it's like black dots in the yolk it's like you know um you have to like watch out for your health and like if you have a lot of bubbles that means like good intentions um and like this isn't verbatim i always recommend that people look it up um what are you cracking it into Usually we're cracking it into like a glass um, so you can like actually read it. Okay. And it's like a glass of water as well. And I've had a lot of limpias where it's like you you have negative energy pointed towards your way. So like do this again. Um, 
And when my, when my friends recently moved into a new home, um, I did a limpia for, um, their home. And we actually threw, cause you're supposed to dispose of the yolks in like water. So like flush them down the drain. Um, mm. but we threw ours into the lake and it was like kind of like a spiritual moment, um, that we were kind of taking all this energy out and like having a new cleansing energy. And like, you know, we kind of read like what was in the space, something to look out for. And I like spiritual practice because it kind of just brings things um, into your consciousness or like into your point of view. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. It, it just, I love this. And it also like many amazing things, seems like an absolutely unhinged thing to walk into if you don't know what it is. Like I, the, for me, the example is always like acting class. Like if you're not bought into whatever crazy shit is happening in the acting class, then like this is going to seem like the dumbest thing in the world to you. And obviously there's like a cultural element here where I'm not trying to be like, where I'm not trying to be like, this is fucking stupid, you know, but as a like, <laughs> white guy from the suburbs that my initial reaction is like, wait, what, what is this? What is happening? You know? And it is really funny to imagine you putting water all over yourself and rubbing an egg all over your body and reading it and like, and walking into that and be like, okay, you need a little more time. I'm going to, I'm going to come back. I'm going to go get some from the store, but it's also, I mean, it sounds amazing. Well, it's funny that you say that because when we cleansed my friend's apartment, um, we had another friend that was a new friend from France and came to the United States for a couple of months on like a work study. And so had like limited knowledge of English. And it's like these four Latinx people just like rubbing the walls of this apartment with eggs. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) And just kind of being like, all right, now crack them. And all right, we're going to walk them over to the lake and like throw them in. (laughs) Right, right. And they're bringing that back to France. Like, this is America, man. (laughs) Yeah, this is a part of the cultural tradition, you know? Yeah. Okay, so wait. But let's – but we're (laughs) zooming back into this this night, this 8 p.m. night, doing this spell Mm -hmm. with your mom and your sister – yeah. What there was Olympia involved in this or no? Um, there wasn't, but it's interesting because we I got here from Florida water. That's that's how we. Yeah, we got here from Florida water, but like it was just something that has like always kind of been. It's like a smell that is really comforting to me to this day, and like that brings about these memories of like, you know, even in these times where my familial relationships like weren't good because of what was happening, like we still had our moments, and I think. I would love to relive that memory as like being a little girl and having my mom indulge this fascination with magic and other timelines and other dimensions. Um, And that like, I could really build something that I could build my own spell if I wanted to using all of these things that feel really good for me. And I feel like that's why it would be the memory I'd want to relive because I think there's such an innocence to that. And I feel like it's something that I, I call back to, in my work now as an organizer um, when I want to create new things or when I feel very hopeless. Um, And I also just don't have a lot of memories as a young person where I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. Like that was a great time aside from like just the ones I had um, at home. 
what do you mean you you bring the spell making into your organizing work? Oh, you didn't know I was like doing witchcraft on everyone. <laughs> and I'm 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 just um I'm kidding. But like I guess um something that in terms of spell making into organizing work, I think it's just kind of like the energy of being creative and having hope as a discipline and also just like having rituals that feel good. And so I think it's like how am I taking time out to bring in good intentions into different spaces or when am I being like, Oh, I misread the situation and I need to like kind of call it back and like reflect on that. So I think to me, a lot of magic and spell making is also just that practice of like, what am I actually trying to manifest? And um, what am I actually trying to do here? Like what clarity am I trying to bring into this reality? And I feel like there's a connection between like that and organizing. Yeah. So Wait, what does Florida water smell like? <laughs> you described the holy water a little bit, but what's the smell of Florida water? The smell of Florida water, it just, that's a really good question. Um, I'm trying to think. Are you trying to think or are you trying to Google? I'm trying to Google. <laughs> well, okay, what does it yeah. Say? So it is the same. So it's, essentially has a citrus base and it's like a sweet orange and like lemon with some spicy mm. like clove and lavender is like what the google says but like it smells like perfumey your face looks like it's it sounds delicious it does it is good but do you um, drink it do you drink florida water no because you would die <laughs> oh okay cool i mean this is your afterlife and then mr meeseeks pops up yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> mr mori pops up mr mori pops up but you were you were one one other thing I wanted to return to because we didn't just get here from Florida water. We got here from the nasty concoction you said you made from holy water and what else? Florida water, some lotion, I think some herbs that I pulled off of the spice rack. Um, just like a bunch of stuff that you think would smell good together. And then it actually just comes out like terrible and um, what I mean, did you did you spread it over something did you <laughs> i think i made everyone dip their hands in it as i remember too. <laughs> oh my god that's so funny that reminds me of like my dad was a biochemist before he went back to med school when we were kids and he had all these little test tubes that he would bring home that we could like uh that we could used when we played you know and i would make little concoctions but they weren't even like it wasn't like i read anything from a book it wasn't like they were even particularly creative it was just like here i'll put this thing in with this thing and it'll just be or like i dissected like a pog one time which there's nothing to dissect it just means like peeling up a piece of cardboard but i was like and i was too old for this to be like justifiably like oh he's just curious it's like well if he's curious maybe he could like do some actual fucking science experiments instead of just like <laughs> putting mustard in a in a test tube or something you know that's really funny um it kind of reminded me like when i had to do a science experiment as a child um in the eighth grade and 
what I did was like, what types of citrus peels flow? And like, what type of fruit peels flow? What don't? And I'm like, mind you, I'm a 13 year old. Like I could have been doing something a little more advanced. That sounds good. I don't know. That's at least like, yeah. Yeah. What's the application of that? It although it although with floating it does sound very witchy. It's like which of these peels will keep you from burning at the stake? Um, orange peels because they have large pores. <laughs> <laughs> What's your coma? And I mean this in the sense of a moment of transformation where before you were one version of yourself and after you were another. For me, it was an actual coma, being out for a month, not very cleanly, but things definitely changed before and after. But it could be something very mundane. It does not have to be grandiose. Yeah. Um, and... You know, I don't know how many people listen to your podcast and are into astrology. And none of your business. <laughs> none of my business. <laughs> none of my business. Um, but I, I feel like I'm someone where transformation, like Scorpios are kind of a sign of transformation and are always kind of changing. And so um, a framework that my therapist and I once have worked on um, is that there are a lot of different versions of me. And so, you know, obviously I go by Emma now, but we talk about different versions of Emma that sometimes occupy the stage for various reasons. And I feel like a moment um, or my coma moment is probably when I went through my first serious breakup. So not necessarily a mundane, but definitely something that I feel like is quintessential for a lot of people. And I was in my early to mid twenties. This was somebody that I had known since I was 15 and had like dated off and on for five years. And it was just a big moment where it was like, you know, what is my identity outside of this relationship? I had started becoming more radicalized and that was kind of a burgeoning problem in our relationship where it was like, I was starting to like talk about like, you know, socialism and like feminism and, like racial justice. And like, that wasn't something that he necessarily vibed with. Um, what, how would he also, respond? So he would be like, um, he, well, he told me verbatim, I think I'm into more traditional gender roles. And I was kind of like, I would be more into traditional gender roles too. If you brought home some money for me to work. <laughs> like, you actually do this <laughs> oh my god yeah i don't think you're as into traditional gender roles as you think you are <laughs> and like um yeah part of me is like i'm totally fine doing the cooking and the cleaning i just have to work 40 hours and you have a trust fund like yo that is amazing okay so wow so it really was the idea of equality or the idea of your own independence that he started to or started to affect your your relationship were you more like codependent or like reliant on him before that yeah well i mean like i i talked about knowing this person since high school and like right. i felt like I was someone that really wanted to blend in. I really wanted to be liked. Um, you know, I really wanted, like, he was somebody who was, like, this musician and was really cool. And I was always just kind of known as, like, the girlfriend, like, in the supportive one. And I was very supportive 
and towards the end of our relationship, I kind of asked for that back um, to kind of have that support because, you know, I started getting more involved, like I said, like in feminist work and spaces um, and sexual violence work and just trying to figure my shit out. And that like just wasn't something that he was willing to do. And I think a lot of it is also has to do with the fact that like he kind of didn't know what he was doing either. So it was like, even though I didn't know what I was doing and was being there for him, he couldn't do both in the same way that I could. Um, And he gave me a letter. He was going to go on tour um, and he dropped off all my stuff and had no conversation. Um, And in the letter, he talked about how I also outgrew him. And um, from that moment, it was like, and it was one of those things where it was painful, but I knew it was like the right decision. And I just never looked back and, I I feel like it was single-handedly one of like the best moments of my entire life um, up until this point of like really affecting who I am and the work that I want to do because I, I don't think I would be here or have my politics if I was still in that relationship. And this was not the way, because you said you guys had been off and on. He <laughs> had never broken it off with a letter before. No. Okay. So you knew like, it's so it's so interesting that you're in the midst of like claiming your power and yet he's the one who initiates the breakup. Yeah. Yeah. What do you make of that? I think that he knew um, like based off of like what he said that like he knew I was kind of becoming this person. And like at one point he had made a comment where he was like, I don't want to be an accessory to your career. And part of me was like, but we do this thing in the music industry where I'm just like kind of this pretty little thing on your arm at like parties and like at shows. Like I am absolutely like an accessory to like the image. Right. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I want you to do that for me, not me to be that for you. Yeah. And he wants me to comment of like, I don't want to be a stay at home father. And I was like, what makes you think that that would be like, just like a lot of fears around his manhood popping up. And then I, I see your face and it's like, just, yeah, it just, and it's one of those things where I felt like he saw our future together and it just wasn't something that he wanted, even though I felt like I was trying to make it work. And I I think my, my love for this person at the time was more powerful or like I would try, I wanted it to be more powerful than who I was becoming. But then I think at the end of the day, he was like, this isn't going to work out because you're going to do your thing. So in terms of who you became, have you ever, since then, have you ever gotten into another relationship like that? Yes and no. I feel like what's different now is I encounter a lot of relationships with men where they claim to have a lot of similar values or to be doing similar work. But then there always kind of seems to be like some dimming of me. And so I think a good example is like I once dated someone who would, I would talk about one of the many things I would talk about and he would go, well, this is kind of boring because we both have the same opinion. On this. <laughs> Yo, got, you got to respect the, the directness. True. I gotta respect that it's direct at least but then it's like when I'm not like able to talk about anything like part of me is just like am I just like I'm like am I just a dull personality at this point (laughs) like 
you know? Um, no. Yeah, that's but but I mean not even to have the tact that like if you do think this is boring, don't say it like that, you know? <laughs> or like redirect the conversation. And like I don't know, I, I feel like there's been a lot of and this is just kind of my own shit where it's like I feel like I constantly have to entertain people that I date um, or like any romantic interests and that I always have to prove myself to be like an enticing partner. And I have to be like the most hypersexual, desirable, smartest version of myself or else like it's going to be like I'm 24 in the middle of January being handed a note um, (laughs) that, you know, I'm just like not what this person wants at all. Interesting. So that's interesting that that would persist when it sounds like the thing that came out on the other side of this coma moment is someone who is more aware of their own desires and feels less the need to impress other people. Yeah, yeah. And and it kind of reminds me that Dean Spade has this really great webinar. Web- I hate the word webinar. Talk about words I want to uh, in my vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's called Unpacking the Romance Myth and talks about how romance is a form of madness in a lot of ways. And I feel like that's what kind of comes up for me is like it was this powerhouse moment where I moved out from home. I, I traveled. I started dating a lot. I got a new job. Um, all of these like amazing things started happening. But then... I would continue dating people and then I would still feel like I would have to like people please in some way or that I I still felt like I had to make myself smaller to make things work. And it's so, and I I think something as an abolitionist that I I try to practice is holding multiple things at once. And so I feel like I try to hold the multiple truths that this was a really big transformational moment, but my coma moment was, and then, but I still feel like I have to deny it or I still feel like I have Mm -hmm. to like, you know, um, make things work, um, in other ways. And that's what therapy is for. Well, that's what Lexapro is also for too. So yeah. Word. And that's why I also got a job at Lockheed Martin as one of their defense contractors. (laughs) Oh my God. Listen, I can't, I I barely know enough about that. I can't, I can't take on a niche Twitter drama that seems absurd (laughs) um okay that i mean that makes a lot of sense that you would feel that it wouldn't just all sort itself out like that do you ever feel like you are saying something publicly like representing like you like i've just noticed um and 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 I and I I'm not sure. I was gonna so I the 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 untranslated way I was gonna say this is I've noticed a lot of women who like say something that it feels like they're trying to convince themselves of, but then I was trying to translate women to femmes, and then I was thinking about how that feels like very. I don't know how much I love that word as a performative gesture toward acknowledging that. Not all people, you know, just gendered as women, you know, but, the, the, but, but let's say, you know, women and sure, femme people, non binary people, 
who've been feminized, like, especially, I think. I think it happens a lot. And I think it honestly happens a lot on the internet. But I think there's a lot of, like, it's basically, like, yes, queen sort of shit that's, like, that that seems, like, genuinely well, it's directed in the right direction. But I wonder if people are, it, it like, uh, uh, when when a stand-up is on stage and is like, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> and that's a thing that's not limited to, like, there are tons of dude stand-ups do that. And I find it almost never charming when they do that. Because I'm just like, dude, just be good at it. And, like, even even after you've just killed, when you say, like, I'm pretty good at this, it's just like, I'm just like, Ugh. and maybe it's just me not being comfortable with someone owning something good about themselves. I'm fully willing to believe that I'm just like d- believe too much in self-deprecation or something. But I wonder if you ever, what's the relationship between what you tell yourself and what you're feeling in these moments and then your individual experiences with people in relationships versus how you may be representing yourself publicly. And I'm truly not saying that you are any certain way. I'm just genuinely curious what your yeah experience is. It feels like the Winona Ryder meme where she's like, where she's like accepting the award and is like looking around everywhere and like kind of confused because I feel like that's like the million dollar question for a lot of people is like, it's kind of the, the gap between, yeah, it's like what you tell yourself, actual reality, like internalized and like in, in healing, it's like a lot of stuff. Um, and I feel like not to bring it back to abolition, but I feel like my abolitionist practice is like, how do we make these things more in alignment? Um, and so like, it kind of reminds me of, I was in a relationship with someone um, where I wasn't adhering to my values or I was telling myself one thing but then kind of doing another and those things weren't necessarily coming together. And I am lucky to have friends in my life where they were able to call that out or they were able to be like, Hey, you actually don't seem to be very happy right now. Or you don't seem to be like in alignment with, with what you say that you are. And so I I, I feel like for me, what that kind of looks like is having trustworthy relationships where it's like, Hey, this thing is happening and it, it, things don't seem to be okay. Um, in terms of the whole, like, fake it until you make it, like, I absolutely believe in, like, standing in front of the mirror and putting your hands on your hips and being, like, um, the the saying that my best friend and I use are, um, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, I'm rich, I am that bitch. <laughs> um, so, like, okay. that's what I say in the mirror. And, like, wealthy being interpretive as, like, not, like, monetary wealth, but, like, wealth and experiences and, like, love. And so it's, like, sometimes I do think you need to to say that to like internalize it because sometimes I, I do think there is a genuine disconnect um and I don't necessarily think it's like imposter syndrome I think imposter syndrome is like for mediocre white people where I'm like <laughs> no you actually should be questioning your uh... <laughs> um but like sometimes I, I do think that like when you've experienced a lot of like trauma or like a lot of negative experiences it can be hard to like hedge up to like the the version of yourself you know going from like 13 year old Emma to 23 year old Emma to like 28 year old M in the present. Like sometimes it does, sometimes it is kind of lagging and sometimes it does require a practice or sometimes other versions of me get pulled up um, in romantic relationships and somebody needs to 
to quietly be like, hey, this isn't the version of yourself that I know to be true. So I don't know if that answers your question. Maybe in a very Yeah, I guess to to put an even finer point on it, which yeah. it, you have, but you have answered the question, but I'm I'm curious, what do you make when like a group of people is like it, you know, some f- click of friends is like shit talking another click and they're like, "Oh, they hate us cuz we're hot." And I'm like because my initial reaction to that is a Whoever's saying it is probably not hot. B, who says that? What are we talking about? But I'm curious what your reaction to that is. I mean, my question was like, are they hot? <laughs> like objectively? Well, but is there an objective? That's what I'm saying. Is there an objective hot? I mean, like you're talking to someone for like the last three years has identified as a hot bimbo genius. So like. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at because I know you, I know you, that you, <laughs> I know that you identify this way. I know, but I guess I, what I'm wondering is, do you feel like you are the Rachel Dolezal of hot bimbo geniuses or do you, or to what extent are you? And <laughs> I didn't mean that as shade. I just meant that as a joke, but like, like, God, this, I, I, I really hope I'm like, cause I'm just, I'm genuinely curious to make it about me, which is important. It, always, it needs to always go back to you. Exactly, right? And like, but but it's like, I feel weird. Um, What's a thing I've struck? Uh, when people asked me what I did for so long, I would say whatever my shitty day job was and would not say like, I'm a comedian because I thought that I needed to Prove basically- make all my money from this specific thing in order to count as a comedian or whatever versus just being like, no, I define comedian as someone who does comedy. I care about it. This is what I am, you know, or, or any number of other things like that. Identifying as a non-smoker when you've quit, even though you quit yesterday, you know, as a way of manifesting what that is. So with all that, and maybe, maybe, maybe this is, maybe I'm asking too much of you to like sort this all out. Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm catching up. I know. Okay. Yeah. So, so what does it mean? That's it. What does it mean for you to say, I am a hot bimbo genius? (laughs) Well, and it's so interesting because it's like, you know, kind of what I'm getting from you is I'm getting like a little bit of like what makes something legitimate, like what makes how you identify yourself as as like legitimate or like what does legitimacy mean? And um, I think this is where not to be like the theorist um, on the podcast. Yeah, but yeah. But it reminds me of like Stuart Hall on like what actually creates like legitimacy and what does it mean? And I think what creates legitimacy um, is like relationships that you have. Um, And so I think when I identify as a hot bimbo genius, I'm kind of referring to like the fact that like me and my friends like to have fun. We like to wear tiny little outfits. Um, We like to have long in-depth conversations and discussions like this one where like we can be honest with each other and we can call each other out. And so I think for me, it's like when I call myself a hot bimbo genius, I'm actually thinking about who am I in relation to that reflects that energy or manifests that energy within myself or that brings that out in me or brings out this best version of myself. Um, And I think with everyone, I think we have moments like um, you might relapse and have a cigarette or you might 
um, you might be like, I'm going to give up comedy for a while. And there are moments where I'm like, actually, I don't feel, I don't feel very cash money right now. I don't feel very much like a hot bimbo genius. Um, and I think that's okay. I think we're allowed to like falter and question things. Cause I think it's within the questions we ask that that's really within the bedrock of solidifying our values and reaching that clarity. And I think we need to ask questions. Um, frequently we need to check in with ourselves to see if something is really clicking or if something is really not. So um, that's a really roundabout way of saying who the fuck knows. Um, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> and I think, you know, but just yes. to confirm that I'm not calling you out. Oh, you mean this wasn't an intervention? No, that you were for me? no, but, but okay. But this makes sense. So it sounds like what you're saying is because, because my question is like, y- yeah, is, a hot bimbo genius by any other name smell like Florida water, you know? Florida water. <laughs> but like the title. <laughs> uh, the title might just be hot bimbo genius, but uh, but the so so I guess my question is basically is does calling yourself a hot bimbo genius rec- add to the existence of being a hot bimbo genius in those in in the way you described those values and it sounds like what you're saying is yeah it does it helps to verbalize these things because it it's kind of a way of being silly about what our actual values are yeah absolutely and i think like um when i think about what values are it's like they're kind of the building rock the building blocks um not building rocks um the building blocks of like the container that we hope so like if I'm building a container of being a hot bimbo genius, it's like, what are my values around that? Um, and I kind of outlined that my relationship to my friends, wearing my silly little outfits, um, not taking myself too seriously. And then within that container, it's like, what am I actually filling in that? And I, and I think what's really important that you just outlined is like, sometimes things can be very empty. I think we see empty platitudes Mm. all the time. Um, because of settler colonialism, because of capitalism, um, because of liberalism. And I think I specifically see that in a lot of art spaces. Um, And I think it's something that we've talked a lot about. And I think like when things feel empty, it's because someone is trying to hand this something or someone is trying to like, someone is trying so hard to be cool and to connect with other people versus like, for me, the value of being a hot bimbo genius is being yourself, which is like, the kind of like quintessential thing that like you're told as a kid. And it's the same thing of like, when you're a comedian, it's like what makes good art, like what makes good comedy things. And we might disagree on this. I don't know, but it's like, I I think a lot of, for me, like manifesting or bringing something to your awareness um, also means like having to be honest with yourself and doing it for yourself, not necessarily, not necessarily for other people, but being in relation to other people is what keeps you also accountable. I am leaving a big web of things. (laughs) No, I wish that more theory was spoken about in this way, as opposed to like these academic words. It's like, let's talk about abolition in terms of the identity of the hot bimbo genius. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about labor theory in terms of, John Riel Worker, <laughs> um, last name Worker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. That is. Um, <laughs> so it sounds like your this coma moment was the start of going from musician arm candy to hop and bow genius. 
Yeah, absolutely. The musician arm candy to hot bimbo genius pipeline, so to speak. We we love a good pipeline, unless it's the school to prison pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> or the Keystone pipeline. We actually kind of don't love a pipeline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pipelines actually are a little problematic. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> That's the show. Thank you for listening. Thanks to M for being on the show. I think it was a fantastic episode. And if you enjoyed it, if you want more of these things, if you want to put your principles into practice monetarily and, and, and in a form of community, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. I'm an independent artist. So word of mouth is the way word spreads about my work. So you can also support by subscribing in your app, leaving a review, which won't take any time at all, or just tell a real life friend. And if you don't like the show, take that to your grave. Until next week, remember, you are a mist. Uh.